It's a scary world out there, folks. And oftentimes, we can be faced with trepidation as we set out to live our lives in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. I'm being kind of melodramatic here, but the reality is, is that we do live in a fallen world and just you take a glance at social media or of established news sources and you're reminded that this is, this is, this is not our home for one as so you're reminded of the joy of that, but that you're also reminded of, uh, the dangers, the uncertainties, and oftentimes the uh, worry that can come from being in this world. And so today, Katie and I are going to share with you how we maintain a positive attitude in the midst of this and how, in fact, we are more joyful than ever, I would say, regarding our future, regarding life. And we're going to tell you why. So I hope you enjoy it. And I hope that if you do enjoy it, that you would take the time to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes because that means so much to Katie and I. And uh, we'll get going. Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in families that were fun, impactful, and relationship rich. Now that we're a family of our own with three young children under the age of three, we're eager to see what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. back home yesterday from going and celebrating Elisha's sister's wedding. Yeah. So that was a super special time. It was, it's just always fun to celebrate marriage when you're so, when you're so confident in the uniting of the two couple, the two people being married. Yeah. This was, I've got four sisters and this was my last sister to get married. So all four of my sisters are married now. And I, I was kind of actually surprised with the amount of joy and maybe even relief that I felt knowing that my sisters are married to such good men. All of my sisters are. And uh, obviously I care deeply for each one of my sisters, but then I also care about my nieces and nephews, you know, and I care about who, who's going to be fathering them and who's going to be looking after them and raising them as, as life goes on. And it truly is a blessing to see your sisters in healthy marriages and just with great godly men. So I, I, I feel so blessed as a brother. I can't imagine how it feels as a father, you know, sending your daughter off, you know, you're giving your daughter away to a man and saying, Hey, take care of her. And, uh, I know just how grateful I am as a brother. So I can anticipate the feeling as a father being all the more dramatic. Yeah. I think next to a child, a sibling that you care about is probably as close as you can get. So it was really emotional that way for both of us and just such a true celebration Hmm. of Annie and Jared starting their life together. And it was also a really special time because we got to stay with Elisha and um, I guess my sister and brother-in-law. Yeah. And that was really fun because Leon and Lucy are like best friends with their kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we lived in our fifth wheel trailer, we lived on Liddy and Colby's property. Yeah. So the kids really bonded over that and now they just 
cannot wait to go back to their old stomping grounds and hang out with their cousins. So that was a really special time, but we actually got this question in reply to our top five Tuesday email. And I'm just going to briefly paraphrase it for you guys because I know that this is the emotion that a lot of people are feeling. Hmm. And the question was basically amidst all that's going on in our country today, the future looks so dark for our children. And I know a lot of us can relate to that. And so the question was just how do Elisha and I keep our positivity and look forward to the future with actual hope and joy. Yeah. Um, And I know so many people right now are struggling with depression and anxiety. And this person just really feels like the unknown is frightening, Mm -hmm. which totally makes sense. Yeah. Because a lot of people are there right now. And I'll, I mean, I'm not going to say that Elisha and I don't go in and out of feeling like the unknown is frightening and Mm. being scared for our kids. And so... But that said, I do feel like we have an overarching joy and positivity for the future that I'm so grateful for. And it's something that we have had to fight for at different times, harder than others. But it does just make the life you are currently living better, for sure. Yeah, like you said, Katie, I think we've fought for joy uh, at different times in our in our marriage. And this most recent season, I feel like, has certainly been one of those seasons where we know we want a home of joy. We do know that joy is something that I think is a fruit of faith. You know, it's obviously a fruit of the spirit. And so I think that you want all the fruits of the spirit evident in your life. And it seems like sometimes you have to fight more for, for some of them to be evident. And like you said, I'm not going to say that I've not experienced anxiety and maybe even borderline depression over the last six to eight months or maybe over the last year um, in the midst of all the, the chaos that's gone on. And, uh, however, I, I do think I can honestly say that our overall countenance throughout the last few months, especially has been one of joy and of lighthearted faith. And I think we are excited about life, you know, to say we're excited about the future. It's like, yeah, the future is so uncertain. And so we're excited about some prospects the future may hold, but we're also well aware of the fact that we need to be holding these with an open hand because the future does seem so uncertain. Yeah, something that really stuck out to me in this email is just the unknown seeming frightening. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people right now, we're feeling this, oh, it's the future's unknown. But we've touched on this in other podcasts, the future's always unknown. Yep. And I think it's a good, healthy place for us to be, realizing that the future is unknown and not taking it for granted, not, you know, oh man, what's that verse where the, where the Lord says, don't say I'm going to go into such and such a city and buy and say, yeah, yeah, such and such a city and buy and sell. And basically instead say, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills. And I think sometimes we can have this false hope in, oh, well, the world's going to keep turning exactly how it has. Mm -hmm. My kids are going to grow up in this environment. And it can take away some of the intentionality from the action we're putting into our faith or the action we're putting in preparing our kids for living in this world and being in the world of it. And so I actually think it can be a really healthy place to be, just realizing, hey, we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. We aren't guaranteed our next breath. And we have no clue what the future holds, but God is faithful in all of it. 
Yeah, it's funny. Just I'll give an example of my of kind of having that perspective dropped in my lap. And it might sound like a really silly and petty example, considering uh, the seriousness, I think, of where our country is at, where the world's at as a whole. Uh, but nonetheless, this example woke me up to the reality that we're living in every day. And that example is about a week ago, maybe less than a week ago, about five, five nights ago, there was a really big windstorm. And it's funny, Katie and I had our day all planned out for the next day. And I woke up and was totally surprised that our fence surrounding our whole house had been blown down by the wind. It was like the walls of Jericho. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no. Yeah. Except for Joshua was nowhere to be found. But the reason it kind of woke me up to the reality that we have no idea what the future holds is that that threw off our day, right? I had to f take like the whole first chunk of my morning figuring out how we're supposed to fix the fence. And it was just so unexpected, unpredictable, and it was a petty little windstorm that threw off my life. And again, I know that sounds so insignificant compared to all the turmoil that is that is going on in the world, uh, but it it, for me, it served as a reminder that I literally have no idea what tomorrow holds. And I like being in that frame of mind. That's not a paralyzing thought to me. It's an inspiring thought to me. Yeah. And just on a really, really practical note for me, I am a very uninformed mother. And this protects my protects my view of the world because I have a very small world and my world is literally just my kids and my husband and my life here within our home mm -hmm. and I think sometimes we carry all these cares that no one would ever have known about mm -hmm. you know like in the 1800s it took forever to get mail to you right mm -hmm. Like six months before you get word that your cousin was sick on the East Coast or whatever. And you just didn't really know what was going on outside of your own little bubble. Mm -hmm. And I think that as humans now, we have this massive information overload where at the tip of our fingers, we can address all the darkness of the entire world. Yeah. It it seems like, I mean, on a, on a certain scale we can. And it's just like, I don't think we are ever intended and some of us clearly weren't because we can't handle it mentally right to know about all that like yeah. when did we need to know what was going wrong in china and what's going wrong in europe let alone just our nation mm -hmm. as an as a whole mm -hmm. and i think sometimes it's too much for us to deal with mm -hmm. and so for me you know i know people have different callings and different people feel called to know about certain issues and we need those voices in the world but if you're struggling with depression or anxiety and not able to be there for your husband or be there for your kids, then I would just really encourage you that that's probably not your burden to carry. Hmm. Someone else could probably do that better and maybe even thrive in that role. And so for me, I just view my calling from the Lord as being a mother hmm. and in doing that job well. And so we have no news in our home uh, as far as like TV. I have no Facebook account. Um, I've muted over half my friends on Instagram. <laughs> All the ones that are like activists, even if I agree with them, it puts my brain in this space where my kids come up to me and say they need me and I snap at them 
or Elisha needs me in a certain way and I'm just an emotional wreck. And I just, I just can't know about all that right now. Mm -hmm. And so just on a very practical note, I have a lot of joy for the future because I trust that I don't know what the future holds. And I also just don't even know what could affect the future, (laughs) which might sound like burying my head in the sand, which to a certain extent, I guess I am. Yeah. Well, I think like you mentioned earlier, Katie, that whenever you consider becoming more informed, you always look at that potential in light of your giant five and anybody that's listened to this podcast for any time knows that we refer to our giant five often and our giant five, when we say our giant five, it's like our top five priorities. How do we structure our life in regards to these topics? And the number one priority is, is our faith. Is this something that's building and growing and strengthening our faith and deepening our walk with the Lord, strengthening our, strengthening our a relationship with the Lord? That would be number one. And number two is our marriage. Is this enhancing our marriage? Number three, our children. Number four is our physical health. This is something that Katie and I decided on. And then number five would be our occupation or how we're providing for our family out in the workplace or or in the marketplace. And I think that like you just said, you kind of just went down through your giant five, you know, maybe your first three really Mm -hmm. and saying, okay, I can become more and more and more informed. I can even become an activist regarding, regarding some of these subjects, but it's got to be down the priority list. And so if it is hindering my marriage, if it's hindering my walk with the Lord, I don't want it to supersede any of those things. And so I've got to be able to do it at a level where it's in its proper place. Yeah. And I guess those are very clear mandates from the Lord to me as a woman, a married woman, and as a mother, as to what I should be about. So I can feel confident that this is what he's called me to. I think a lot of society is telling you you're called to be informed, called to make political stances, called to care about these issues. And that's their opinion. Mm -hmm. And some people are, but some people aren't. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that pressure, I guess. I would really protect, I guess, just, just my, I guess what I do is I really protect my mental space and I just operate from a place of joy and freedom yeah. because of that. Yeah. We, we mentioned, we quote this often, but Philippians four, uh, I think verses six through eight, that's the brethren. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any praise and virtue, think on these things. And I might have missed I might have missed something in I there. I think just honest and just. Oh, honest and just. Did a pretty good job. And uh, we think about that often because we our thoughts need to align with all of those. That that filter isn't just find something that's just and think on that. It says no if it's pure and lovely and of good report and honest. Or yeah, even that first one, true. True. You know, yeah, oftentimes we'll just stop there. It's like oh, this is true. Like that's the biggest strainer like the biggest filter. Yes. And then it just kind of gets more and more refined. Yeah, it gets more and more refined. And by the time it gets to the end of that list of how we are to, you know, choose what to think about, when you realize, oh man, if I'm going to be dwelling on these things, really thinking on them, then it's a pretty limited, there's very limited subjects. I know for me, I'm blessed because I can think about my wife all day and she fits into that filter. So I'm really <laughs> grateful for that. But you can think on the gospel, you can think on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and it fits into that category. And so I know that that sounds like a simple way to, to view uh, where you're putting your mind and what you're being informed of, but that's a filter that we have in our home. Yeah. I also just think 
that a lot of the reason we're in the situation we are in right now is because we have had wandering hearts and eyes as a society and have cared about all these issues more than the issue of the generation that we're raising. And I think it might sound like a little bit too late to focus on just raising her own kids and raising them up to know the Lord and to have conviction and to be people of character. But to me, that's going to be way more impactful than me shouting my opinion to someone who doesn't really care about it. As far as changing the future, I think the next generation has always been the future. And in that regard, we've kind of slowly found ourselves in this place where people are just pitted against each other because I think of a lack of family values and obviously leaving like a lack of biblical yeah. <laughs> Christianity, but also just parents being involved in their kids' lives because mm-hmm. everything else always seems more important. Yeah, it seems like it's more earnest or it, it happens to happen right now. And discipling and training your children is a slow moving process. It's a day in and day out process. And you're, it's hard to quantify the, the progress, uh, when you're, you know, with them every day and every, and every hour, but it's yet, it is our primary calling. It is our, uh, in my opinion, our number one mission field as parents. doesn't mean it's going to be our only mission field, but it has to be our number one mission field in the home does. And, you know, something that's really helped me because I think that this question was maybe there was a few facets to it. And I know that this time has made me kind of view the world through a couple different lenses. Cause I know that when I just think of it from my perspective, there was definitely an element of me having to let go of a lot of the worldly ambition. I, I had a lot of the ambition to, you know, see success, to be spoken of well by men, you know, of, of all sorts, to be able to, you know, have a name in a secular society while also honoring the Lord. You know, it's crazy. Some of these desires that I'm admitting to, they truly were there a, a year ago where I thought, boy, I want to be a successful, a worldly successful and, and spiritually successful. You know, I want to have all these things. And I'm not saying that the two can't coexist, but I don't think you can pursue both of them and have a healthy spiritual life. I think you pursue a healthy spiritual life and you pursue honoring God and walking with him and you may be blessed in the other area as well, but it's not something that I think we can actually strive after and maintain the right view of God and of our place here in this world because the Bible is so clear about telling us that our citizenship is not, it's not here, it's nuts. How many times we are told that this is not our home that we are citizens of heaven, that we've been seated together with Christ, that we've been risen again with Christ, that he's brought us home already. And we have to live out this life faithful to him. And, you know, just this is fresh in our mind. We were just at a wedding. Uh, Man, the eager anticipation we should feel to be united with Christ, who, who... who is our husband in the, in the way he's put this out. We are the bride. He's our husband and he's purifying us. He's making us ready for this great splendid wedding where all things will be made right. All things will be made new. And I think about how much I looked forward to my wedding with Katie, you know, being able to be joined in holy matrimony with Katie and it, I would lose sleep over it and out of excitement, you know, out of joy and just looking forward to a future with her spent together in the same home, you know, in total intimacy. And I want the way I view the union that I'm going to have with Christ to make 
to make that seem like, boy, that was just a, a like a foretelling of what was going to be. And it's the real thing that the actual marriage with Christ is the greatest good I could ever imagine. Yeah. And that's, it gives me so much hope too when it comes to our kids, because whether or not it's the rapture, whether or not it's death, regardless, one way or another, we're joined with Christ mm-hmm. one day. And this is so much easier said than done, but when you play through worst case scenarios with your kids, I just want my kids to, at the end of the day, be in heaven with me. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. And life here is a vapor. Any pain they're going to go through here, any kind of controversy, any time of the worst suffering you can imagine is, is so such a split second. And so me as a parent, I need to detach from wanting to protect my kids from every little thing and just realize that God's sovereign, God's in control. He knows what's best for their lives. And regardless of what he allows to happen in their lives, one day, Lord willing, they will be united with him. That's right. And and the sufferings of this present life are nothing to be compared, right? That's with the right. glory that will be... Um, I'll put the verse in the notes because it's a good one. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and I think that when you use the word detach, it almost sounds like we're becoming complacent where we're just giving up 100%. We're saying, okay, well, we can't control all this. We don't know what's going to happen. So we'll just toss in the towel. I think that that's not the case at all. I think when Katie was saying we detach from potential sufferings or hardships here on earth, I think what it is, is we're shifting our perspective to realizing, okay, first off, we don't own these children. We are stewards of them. They are God's children. And he's given us a very specific mandate to bring up our children in the way that they should go, to train them up, to know him so that when we walk in the day, you know, day and night, we're talking about his word and his law and meditating on it. And to, I guess, speak kindly to them, show them, preach to them the gospel. We take those things very seriously. And a part of being a Christian parent is taking care of the physical needs of your children. And so protection, provision, those are all things that we're called to do as parents. But we also realize that the point of all of it is to introduce them, I think, to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The point of it is not to just make them comfortable, to get them fattened up on good food, or to give them a great education so that they can then go have a thriving career. I think our job as parents is to bring them up in the way, and the way is Christ. Bring them up in Christ so that they that they can know and serve and trust Him. Yeah, no. What I mean by that detachment too is that emotionally, especially as mothers, or when it comes to anxiety, it's really easy to let one anxious thought go to another anxious thought and just play through all the worst case scenarios that we've ever heard or all the worst case scenarios that could be possible. And I mean, I do this every single time we watch a movie and the spouse dies. I just like ball my brains out because I cannot imagine Elisha dying Hmm. and what my life would be like without him. And it's really easy to just let those potentials that haven't even happened yet become realities in our brain. Mm -hmm. And I think it really helps to just play through worst case scenarios from a perspective of how does this eternally affect my child Mm -hmm. and just let it go. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean by that, because obviously I love my kids and I could start crying right now if I went through different scenarios of what they might face in their life or what could 
or what happens to kids on a daily basis right, around right. the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so much evil has been occurring since the fall of man, since Adam's first sin, sin entered into the world, it entered into the hearts of man and there has been evil throughout the world. That is going to be the case until Christ makes all things new and he carries out his final justice and his final judgment. That's something that, again, I think we can look forward to. But as it, in regards to parenting and our children, you know, it was probably like five weeks ago, I had to confess to Katie pretty deeply, like, you know what? I am losing sleep over anxiety for my children. And there's something that I think like our pride tells us it's like valiant to feel anxious or to feel anxiety or maybe even to carry stress for some things because we we want it to be good. We want to take care of our children or we want to take care of our loved ones or we want to, you know, care for our country. So we need to feel this anxiety when Christ tells us that that's like the opposite of faith. And he also tells us without faith, it's impossible, impossible to please God. It also tells us that that which is not done in faith is sin. Anything that's not done in faith is actually sin. And I was convicted deeply because I was letting anxiety just really rule in my heart rather than the peace of God, which we're told to let rule in our heart. And the way we gain that, which Philippians 4 tells us too, with prayer and supplication, make your request be made known unto God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guide and keep you. And that right before that says, be anxious for nothing. That's the, that's the first part of that verse. Be anxious for nothing but in all things with prayer and supplication. And so I think oftentimes when we feel anxiety, we just like accept it and we say, okay, well, I'm anxious now. And, and you have every, you feel like you have every reason in the world to be anxious. You said, look at the news, look at the headlines, look what's happening in our country. But anxiety, regardless of the circumstances, is actually sinful. And I think we need to confess that, we need to repent from that, and we need to walk in hope and faith and in the peace of God and let the peace of God rule in our hearts. I love how you brought that up, that anxiety, we can feel like it's a good thing. We can feel like we're doing our duty somehow and take pride in that. Yeah. And yeah, it's just so easy to think that. So it's encouraging to just have it called out. You know, the Bible makes it clear, I think, that there is a battle for our mind. We're told to set our mind on things above, not on things of this earth. We're told to be be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You know, we're told to think on certain things. And when I look at like the theme of so many of Paul's epistles to the church, he's declaring what Christ has done. You know, he's declaring the gospel, all of what Christ has done and accomplished. And then he's telling us how we should act in, in light of that. You know, usually it's like the second kind of part of, so he's like saying, this is what Christ has done. This is how you should act in light of that. And then he like tells us over and over again, don't forget, like, don't forget this. Remember, bring into remembrance. I'm bringing this into remembrance. You know, watch out not to forget this. Hold fast to these truths. And I think that those things need to be on the front of our mind when we're looking at the news, if we are looking at the news, or when we're hearing of wars or rumors of wars, as the Bible talks about. To remember, wait, what has Christ done? What has he accomplished? Because Paul told us that people are going to come in and they're going to try to snuff out this hope that we have in, in, in Christ. And the way to defend our hope, the way to, I guess, uh, you know, battle back against that is to remember the gospel. It's not to even learn something new. It's not to click on the article that's contradicting the article you just read and then to get another viewpoint about the so-called conspiracy theory that you just read. No, it's to remember what Christ has done. That's, 
the only way we'll find peace in our hearts. And that's the only thing that we can count on as being true. And I love this verse where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And I think that's really telling because where our heart is, is often where our hope is Mm -hmm. too. Our hope can be in our savings. Our hope can be in a secure job. Our hope can be in our country, in our country. Mm -hmm. Our hope can be in a political leader. Mm -hmm. Our hope can be in a million different things. But when our hope is first and foremost eternal, and then secondary, our hope being in Christ's sovereign will being mm-hmm. enacted here on earth, mm-hmm. it really frees you up to stay hopeful. Yeah. Because that's exciting. You guys, it's so exciting to, at the end of the day, regardless of all whatever happens, the Lord knows and it's in his hands. And I don't know. Yeah. For me, that's so freeing. There's really two time frames that we've been dwelling on a lot, I feel like, in our home, and that is eternity. That which I mean, what's that time frame, right? That's wait, we're reigning with Christ in heavenly places. You know, we are reigning forever. And then today, what has Lord called us to today? I'm not saying that we don't have conversations about okay, you know, where do we want our business to be in two years or you know, where would we want to be living in ten years? We have those conversations for sure. Yeah, for sure. But as you folks know, it's so hard to predict. You know, we talk about, oh, where would we want to be living in 10 years? And it's like, well, you know what? Like, what in the world? What is this world going to look like? <laughs> what is what this in the world, world? going to look like in 10 years? And so you kind of stop that conversation and we come back time and time again to, oh, wait, this is an eternal story that is unfolding and we are on the winning side. So we put our hope in that. And then we look at, so we look at that time frame, and then we look at the time frame of today. What has the Lord called us to today? And I want to do that more and more when times are uncertain. It's inevitable that we still make plans for a year out or for 10 years out or whatever it is. But when I'm dwelling, I want to be dwelling on the eternity and what's been accomplished on the cross and what God has declared to be true and then I for eternity. And then I want to focus on today and my children, my marriage, the people that I encounter. Yeah, I would say we haven't talked about a year or 10 years recently. We've talked about about three months. Yes. That's as far as we're looking and we hold that very loosely. Yeah. But there, there is just so much to be excited about in the world. Honestly, the voices that you're listening to really affect your mindset. And I guess I'm just, a lot of the people I listen to are sharing encouraging things Mm -hmm. about how to grow their business, how to raise your children in this time. And, and the world's always been dark. The world's always been evil and the world's always been uncertain. This isn't the first time where things are shaken up Mm -mm. and actually take comfort in that we as Americans aren't being as comfortable anymore because comfortability leads to complacency. And I know that I have experienced that in my own walk. Yeah, me too. This year I have clung to the Lord more than ever before. I've grown in that faith. And I take a lot of comfort that my kids are going to have to decide, are they walking with Christ or are they not? It's Mm going to be a clear line for them to walk. Yes. And for our generation, you can kind of hang out in the world's (sighs) camp, hang out in the Christian camp, be a lukewarm Christian. Yes. And I love that this is getting more polarizing. Yes. You know, a pastor recently said the only thing worse than not being saved is thinking you're saved when you're actually not. And I think that because our 
culture for for a, for a few generations now for a couple you know centuries i guess has been so um so affirming of christian values and of christianity in general it's been really easy to call it to be a nominal christian there are these people that by name call themselves a christian and they might vote as a christian they might you know talk about themselves as a christian but they never know christ they never have a saving hope in christ and we're getting to a time where perhaps you're not going to want to be a nominal Christian. You're going to want to either be a Christian or not, or not be a Christian. You're only going to be a Christian if you truly believe it, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Cause it's going to be uncomfortable. That's right. And so I, I take encouragement in that when it comes to my kids, because I think they're going to have to decide what side of the line they're on. It's going to be really clear. Yeah. So anyways, there's just, the Lord is so at work. He's always been at work he's so faithful he's so sovereign and as we focus more on his word and look at his faithfulness throughout history instead of looking at you know another headline i just really think it can affect where our mind is that's right you know psalm 16 tells us that in the presence of the lord there is fullness of joy at his right hand are pleasures forevermore and because of what christ has done and brought in bringing us into perfect relationship with god we can be in the presence of God. We one day will be in perfect, the perfect presence of him where we're not shackled by these bodies, but we get to have perfect union with him. But even now in these bodies, we get to have fellowship with our creator. And that's where we find that, like the verse says, joy that passes all understanding, you know, the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Anyways, we hope you guys are encouraged and we don't want to make light of the situation because like Elisha and I have said, we have both, fought these feelings and the um, negative mindsets and just feeling heavy and oppressed and in darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that that's where we should stay. I don't think that's something that we should accept as Christians is, is that place. So anyways, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And we're excited to talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.